And we are back. Episode 19 of Journey to a Million. More off-season previews, of course, here. But we're going to be taking a break from the off-season previews next week. We're doing an NFL draft preview. That's airing next Wednesday. Caden Youngbooth, he is coming on. He is a fan of the show. You know, he was on our fantasy baseball draft thing we did. And yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. We're going to preview the draft. I believe he's making some sort of mock draft we'll talk about. Zach made one as well. Jared and I will we'll probably we'll come up with our top 10 picks for that. But with that, my let's draft talk. is definitely going to be better. No, but we're going to talk Giants and Seahawks in this episode, starting with the New York Giants. We'll be joined with my guest later in the second half of the episode talking Seahawks. But first, just the journey to Million Crew, myself, Drew Skyberg, Jared Vlesky, and then Zach Roush. That makes up the journey to Million Crew. Uh, if you guys have not noticed, Jared does have a new microphone. Sounds awesome, right? <laughs> that is true. It does. And Zach's still rocking the beats for his <laughs> microphone. He's we're gonna make sure he gets a microphone soon here. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. Let's said talk, Zoom user himself. Let's talk Giants. What happened? We're gonna start with the season recap. And I'll go to you, Zach, right away. What did you think of the New York Giants this past season? They sucked. They're pretty bad. I mean, I don't know if they had a whole lot of expectations, but within that division, how bad the division was, I think they're expecting to do a little bit better. So I'm going to give them a D. The yeah. only saving grace is they have two good draft picks this year. I'd say about the same. Not money expectations, but didn't do anything last year. Since, I mean, even with Eli Manning, they weren't the best. But now since Eli Manning's gone, they've just been downhill and, I'd say like a D, D minus. Oh, well, they, they did beat Colin Ratzak's Panthers 25 to three. You know, beating Colin Ratzak's favorite team by 22 points. Look, but like what Zach said, you know, they had expectations or did they have expectations? But even if they didn't, they still didn't even achieve them. So I, I got to go. I'll go D as well. Look, it was a disastrous season. Thankfully, you got some draft picks out of this, but. Well, Giants, you know, I think the only way is the only way up right now. I, I we're going to talk about the cap space, and it is, it is abysmal. So, um, you know, transitioning there, let's go right away to kind of the moves made, and then that whole situation. So, you know, Kyle Rudolph, him being released, but the head coach hiring, right? Joe Judge out, Brian Dable in. Are there any thoughts initially about this hiring, Zach? I know you actually looked into this. What do you think of this hiring? Um, I liked it. Uh, I think they definitely need uh, improved offensive mind there. Obviously, Brian Devils coming from um, Buffalo with Josh Allen, and he kind of saw the um, improvement of Josh Allen. Maybe he can help uh, Daniel Jones a little bit. Obviously, I don't know how, how much longer he's going to be in New York with the Giants. But whoever their next quarterback is otherwise, he can um, help him progress and potentially turn into next superstar quarterback. That's what, I mean, that's what they're looking for, right? Quarterback situation. Jared mentioned it since Eli Manning has been gone. It's not been ideal. Um, is Daniel Jones that guy? I don't think so. I'll be honest. Um, and that's kind of what the draft situation Cause look, look, off season moves. I mean, they, they didn't make much. There's not a lot of moves they could make kind of going back to my cap space talk. I wanted to do. I believe they have like the fourth least amount of cap room right right now in football. Is that correct? It's around there, right? It's one of the most, you know, there's not a lot of 
cap to work with. And with that, you know, you can blame the signings or extensions, you know, with Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay, and like other guys, you know, Daniel Jones, Blake Martinez, these guys, right? The cap space. I mean, they have right now six, it's six point, like roughly 6.8 million to work with is what I'm seeing. So that is a disaster, you know, for a team that went four and 13 to only have that amount left to work with. And Zach, how do you think they're going to approach maybe a way to like make this number, like, you know, have some more cap to work with? Yeah, we've seen some, um, some trades that may be coming up. See, James Bradbury has been linked to a couple teams that might be a draft day trade for a second, not second, a third or fourth round or something like that. Otherwise, if they try, um, I'm sure there's some people they could cut. I guess I don't know exactly what the cap savings for cutting different people are, but some trade possibilities. Otherwise, obviously, they can retool in the draft. They have those two top 10 picks, they have a good second round pick as well. Yeah, I think drafts the way to go here. Uh, Kenny Galladay, though, I just want to go back to that signing. You know, <laughs> disaster right now. Over twenty million is his cap number, and how, how many games? Like he played half the season maybe last year, and so you know Shepard also. Both those guys injury prone. Disaster, I guess. Like talking fantasy for the, for these guys. Is there any any hope for? What do you guys think? Eat for either of those guys. I mean, maybe Galladay might if he has a bounce back year. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. I they this team went out and got Gallad like players like Galladay, and they overpaid him, so they're not really helping their cause at all. Um, they're trying to get back to the team they once used to be, and it's not looking good. They're overpaying a lot of their players, and fantasy wise, I wouldn't. I'd probably stay away from all Giants receivers. Maybe like a Saquon. Obviously, he's going to get drafted, but not as high as a couple years ago, just because. I wouldn't go any receivers. Just their quarterback situation is not the best, and you can't really trust Jones throwing the ball to any of those the receivers. Yeah, the only receiver I'd be interested in is Kadarius Tony, just because he's young. And obviously, he had that one spectacular game last year that shown what he could do. But then he also had a bunch of games where he really did produce. I think he only had that one game that was really um, in kind of fantasy relevant all year, but it did show us potential. And it kind of depends on um, where you value him. Depends on if you think um, he's going to be closer to that one game or he's going to be kind of inconsistent. That's probably going to affect your value. But in a dynasty league, that might be a target. Obviously, he's going to be probably a buy low now and his value is only going to go up if he does continue to play and they do get that quarterback situation figured out. But personally, for me, Saquon, if he's a second-round pick, maybe the end of the second round, I might be thinking about it depending kind of where I went with my first round pick and kind of what I want for my team in that position and who's left on the board. But I'm not a big fan of Saquon. I haven't drafted him, I don't think, at all in his career um, just because the injury concern. And then obviously Kenny Galladay, he's always had injury concerns even back when he was with Detroit. Now I've seen, like you guys said, he got overpaid in New York. And um, obviously with Daniel Jones' quarterback, guys, I don't think they have the – passing offense that support multiple receivers. Yeah. A lot of these guys, you know, I think you're buying low on all these guys. Right. But, you know, so I'm going into fantasy drafts, talking about this. Look, I, I sometimes go with the strategy where I'll cross players out of like, guys, I'm not even going to like look at the draft. And I've done that, you know, with, with a lot of these giants players the past few years. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I might just do that again this year, looking at 
how it's how it's looking, but maybe through the draft here we can see some replenishment. Uh, for example, you know, with that fifth overall pick going right into it here, mock draft style. Look, you got you got to think they're going offensive linemen in this in this scenario, right? Is there is there something you guys see differently? But I think they're gonna get oh, they're gonna get an offensive lineman, whether it's Neil or Ekwanu. But uh, what do you guys think? I see uh, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Um, I think that's the right choice to go with an offensive lineman. I mean, they got to build a base before they can worry about their weapons. And if you have like weapons, but you don't have a good line or like a good defensive line, which I think they'll target with their second pick, they'll get like an edge, I, I would think. Um, but if you don't have that, you don't really have a good base for to start a rebuild or like the team that they have right now. Yeah, kind of what Jared said. I personally, for their team, I think they should go with the offensive line and edge either cross Aki or um, Evan Neal and then edge um, maybe Kayvon if he falls. Otherwise, I know Trayvon Walker has been going up draft boards. I'm not as confident that he's going to turn out, but if they do like him, that's an option. Otherwise, um, kind of Jermaine Johnson, George Cloth, Carl Loftus, there's a bunch of different options, but they've also been linked to um, Sauce Garner a lot. So I think that that's a potential pick. And obviously, that's going to free him up to trade somebody like James James Bradbury to kind of free up some cap space and then get a, another pick in a day two pick to use on position. I do think Sauce Gardner might be, you know, a, a fit there at seven. Look, I think, yeah, because five, I don't know if they take cross there because I, again, like these are mock draft boards, but I've, I've seen cross, you know, in the mid teens. I've seen him at six. I've seen him in the like. I've seen him at like as low as nineteen in some boards. It just yeah. again depends on how much they value him at that yeah. spot. But the tackles the tackles between um, Iquanu, Neil and Charles Cross have been all kind of flipping around. The beginning it was all Neil's first, and then Iquanu, and then Cross. But now as we're getting close to the draft, they're all kind of flipping around, and you can see any one of them go first. Yeah, I, I mostly still see Iquanu, yeah, or Neil go first. I haven't really seen Cross. Hop in there, but all I'm saying is, you know, if they really value Charles Cross and other teams value guys like Neil, you know, or like Wong ahead, maybe we see a trade. You know, I, I can't imagine them trading down though, but um, I, I do think, you know, linemen, you know, going tackle, going edge, going corner, like these are all needs for this squad. A lot of ways you could go, a lot of picks to go with. Yeah. And also, day two, they might take advantage, you know, and draft some other needs like that. But like you mentioned, trade's going to be a way as well to maybe yeah. gain more players here in this scenario. I definitely think it would be helpful for them if the Panthers took a quarterback at six because it may be some other team that wanted to draft a quarterback, kind of wants to trade up to that seven pick and might overpay a little bit just because they don't want them to go off the board for the quarterback they want falls to their pick. So you're saying, yeah, Pickett goes six. They're going to. Yeah, like Pickett or Willis goes six and some or other if... team wants the other one. What if. Then they what might... if be more than trade up to seven. What if um Pickett doesn't go? I guess like what if people trade up for that their seven pick if Pickett is not drafted in the top six? Yeah, that could be too. That's another scenario, I think. So you know, either way, I think they're in good spot, you know, with that with that seven pick or even with, with either of the two picks in the top ten. If they want to trade either of them, I think you know they, they could do that and uh, it, it wouldn't hurt them as much, maybe. But uh looking, you know. Jared, do you have anything to add here in the draft? 
not much to talk about with the Giants. I mean, yeah, just doing what they have to do to get their feet better, you know, back on their feet. It's it's rough for them right now. Yeah, but if you guys are ready to talk some schedules, uh, let's have at it. Yep, let's go. All right, Jared, you're going first here on the prediction challenge. Here it is. Here are the 17 opponents for the New York Giants in the 2022 to 2023 season. Let's go. Hosting the Washington Commanders, going to Washington to play the Commanders, going to Dallas, going to Green Bay, going to Jacksonville, going to Minnesota, hosting Dallas, hosting Philly, hosting Chicago, hosting Detroit, hosting Houston, hosting Indianapolis, going to Philly, going to Tennessee, hosting Baltimore, hosting Carolina, and then going to Seattle. What do you think? I think this might be the worst team in the league. I'm going to say 2-15. and 15. Oh. Zach, you go. I mean, that is kind of a tough schedule for um, this team, but I'm going to give them a couple more runs. I'll go four and 13. You guys make it easy for me. I was going three and 14 all the way. Um, yeah, like Jared said, yeah, this is definitely a bottom team. Look, when you have you know, a lot of draft picks, a lot of, like top draft picks, and if you're going to draft with them, you're going to have young guys. And it's just, you know, it's going to be one of those years, I think. The yeah, the, the only reason I went so low is because I was reading like the opponents, like you said, Jacksonville. And I remember when we recorded for the Jaguars, I remember um, saying that the Giants were going to be a team that they beat. So I can't say both. And I realized that like I didn't have the Giants beating anyone. So I, I don't see them but winning more than two. Maybe I three. think I think and one of those wins has to be against Indianapolis, right? I think that might be when you even lock in. Oh, definitely. I mean, then Colts maybe are looking the awful Jets. right now. So, yeah. Jets, yeah, no, not the Jets. But yeah, with that, yeah, anything else here before we talk some Seahawks? That's it. All right. So, yep, catch us in the second half now as we talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Episode 19 resumes on the podcast with our second guest. It's Ty from Seahawks underscore analysis. So, Ty, how are you doing today? No, I'm all right. I just got home from school. Uh, almost done, though. So, you know, we're we're working on it. That that's what matters, right? You know, almost finishing school. I myself am almost done. All of us here, we're almost done with with school as well here. But yeah, talk about what Ty does here. Yeah, he runs that Seahawks underscore analysis page. Does excellent draft preview. He's working on it right now. He's got a lot of good. You know, he he does the strengths and the weaknesses of each prospect he looks at. He kind of ties that all into his Seahawks, you know, what the Seahawks need. So it's a lot of good stuff. So please go check it out. We'll have his Instagram in the description. So, yeah, go check that out. We'll tag him on the Instagram post, of course. But with that, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. So, Ty, I'm going to start with you as our Seahawks expert. How would you grade the Seahawks season this past year? Oh, man, you know, it's almost subjective right so because if you're if you're trying to win now obviously and you would grade an f or like a d minus because you you trade russell wilson you cut bobby wagner you let key free agents like dj reed go right but then you think about the long then you i'm so sorry then you think about the long term of it right uh you get two first round picks back one this year one next year the one this year being a top 10 overall pick. You get a young, promising tight end, Noah Fant, who they just picked up their fifth-year option. 
You got a solid defensive lineman in Shelby Harris, and you got Drew Locke. And then you got a couple other later-round draft picks. I think a second this year and a fifth next year. But And then you did cut Bobby Wagner for nothing, just for salary cap. And then he went to a division rival. So that does sting a bit, especially how things ended. It wasn't the most, I guess, formal way that it could have ended. But all in all, it was a move that we had to make because Russell Wilson after this year was going to demand, in his words, Mahomes-like money. And they did not want to pay him a, a 35, 36-year-old quarterback that amount of money for that long. So they wanted to go in a different direction. They got their young guy. They got a couple of pieces to build around the offense. And overall, I mean, we have two first-round picks now. So I guess. What's the grade? Let's hear it. We're, we're, going, we're going for the long haul. Yeah, and you're, you're right, spot on. That's what the, how this offseason was. But looking yeah, the past year, so the 2021 to 2022 year, so looking how the Seahawks performed, that 7-10 and 10 finish, I guess, how would you rate that? Right? Were you happy? I mean, obviously you were, probably weren't happy, but like, did they exceed? You know, What were your expectations coming in? And just you know, overall, how would you feel after the 7-10 and 10 finish? Give us a letter grade. All right, so... The 2021 season was definitely a disappointment to most Seahawks fans, right? But then you take to account that Russell Wilson got injured. He had his whole middle finger kind of bent the wrong way after week five in the Rams game. It it, it just it kind of it messed up. He dislocated it, couldn't throw his football because it was it was his throwing hand. And that set him out until week 10 versus the Packers, where he wasn't really fully healthy. And I don't think a lot of Seahawks fans expected him to be healthy. But we knew he was going to play because he's Ross and he's going to try to help the team, right? But you had a 17-0 a shutout, the first of his career against the Packers. Then you had a tough loss to – you had a tough loss to um, – uh, the 49ers and then or, Cardinals. No, not the 49ers. Cardinals, thank you. And But then we came back, we beat the Texans, we beat the Niners, and then we played the Bears and the Rams. And <sighs> Russ looked healthy in that game, but he just he couldn't connect to those deep shots that he's so, that he's so notorious for, you know? You have, like, he has that moon ball that people call it, and he just he couldn't get it going. He just couldn't get the offense rolling, especially after Chris Carson re-injured his neck back in week four against or back in week four against the Niners. But it just there were so many pieces of that offense just missing. Injuries, like taking out parts of the O line. I mean, there was like seven different like O line configurations throughout the season. It was just so many mismatching pieces, we just couldn't get it together. But yeah, it's luck of the draw. Sometimes it's just how it goes. But that's how it is. And that kind of made these moves, you know, happen here with the Wilson trade and some other ones that Bobby Wagner won. Uh, again, interesting, but of course, freeing up the cap space. It was the was the goal. And they did exactly that. Rashad Penny is back and you know, he had some big games last season. But 
uh, with that here, let's kind of go right into the draft and then we'll kind of come back and talk about how these new pieces are going to work in fantasy, all that good stuff, how it all ties in. But let's talk about the draft here. I mean, the ninth overall pick certainly looks good here for the Seahawks. And with that, I'll go to you, Zach, to start. Where, where do you think the Seahawks are going with this? I, I guess there's a lot of needs right now and you know, cornerback, quarterback, um, both those positions are certainly top needs, but where, how, where do you think they're going with it? Yeah, so I think in my mock draft, I had him taking um, Malik Wills. Um, so they went quarterback in that mock draft. Um, they've been linked to um, Baker Mayfield. They've been linked to a couple of quarterbacks in the draft. And there were some rumors that came out shortly after the Wilson trade that they're going to target Sean Watson. Obviously, they have the receivers. They have the weapons. Um, I don't know if their defense is um, championship quali- uh, caliber. So I guess I don't think they're going to be competing, but maybe if they want to find that next, uh, hopefully next Russell Wilson, find that quarterback of the future, they may be going there. Otherwise, some other guys, maybe Derek Stingley, obviously offensive line has never been one of their um, strengths, but maybe edge rusher as well. Obviously they have quite a few holes that they could use that to fill. I think that if um, the Falcons end up taking Malik Willis and there's, uh, I mean, maybe Pickett, but I, I don't know. I think they go with a, a cornerback here. I think they go with either Sauce Gardner, if he's there, um, Stingley, or even Trent McDuffie. I think they should just build a solid defense, get some quarterback cornerbacks, and then worry about quarterback maybe a different year. Maybe they ride it out with Drew Locke this next year. I don't know. There's still time Ooh. to make a trade. Well, I don't know. We'll, Look, we'll see, I- but... I, I think know. they go best available, right? Whoever they value most on their board, I think they go with you. I don't think there's, there's like Zach said, there's a lot of holes. And I think w- when you have a lot of holes like this squad, you got to go best available here. Uh, Ty, how do you think? I know, like I've said, you've done a lot of draft research here. Where do you think the Seahawks are going with this ninth pick? Man, all right. So my dream right now would probably be to stick it out with Drew Locke this year because it's a much better quarterback class next year with guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, Spencer Saunders, and all on all those guys like that. But for me, if we could get an offensive tackle, that is what I most want. You know, just because our starting offensive tackles right now are former seventh-round pick out of Florida last year, Stone Forsyth, and UDFA out of Cal – Jake Curhan, right? And uh, Jake Curhan showed some promise, but I don't believe he's going to – he's not going to be like a top 15 right tackle, which is what we need, right? But someone who should be available in that range is someone like Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Cross is a mammoth of a man, right? I think he's like 6'6", six, 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 328 if I had to guess. I can't remember exactly what I put in my profile for him, but – Really, probably the best pass protector, pass protector in this class. Not the best run defender, but definitely someone to give either Drew Locke or a franchise quarterback something to roll with, some protection on that O-line next to Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis. Yeah, 6'5", 307 pounds. Is the, you, were pretty, you were very close there. Impressive. And, yeah, you know, going tackle wouldn't be the worst. Like, like we said, a lot of needs here. Uh, if Like you mentioned, if they go cross here, they wait it out with Locke, like you and Jared said. Might not be ideal, and there might be a lot of losing, you know, this next season maybe. But I don't know how you feel. I guess talking with DK Metcalf, another guy who's been who's been around the rumor mill, 
Is he a guy you think they might trade, you know, for some draft capital? No. And this is why. So Pete Carroll has came out and said that they are trying to they're actively trying to get an extension done, right? And obviously like so he's I'm sorry. Okay. But he's not gonna come out and say, Hey, we're not working on an extension or hey, we're not going to resign him because you know, you can't do that. That 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 that, that that's dumb, you know. But all in all, DK Metcalf even posted on Twitter. It was like, oh, DK Metcalf trade rumors are swirling around. Our teams are calling. And he re- responded to JPA's football uh, Twitter account. And he was like, heard nothing from DK's like, source from DK. Just some funny, lighthearted yep. stuff there. But no, I don't think DK is going to get traded. He's a young piece on our team, a young superstar, if you will, who I think they, Pete Carroll and John Schneider and all the front office definitely want staying on that roster as a key, as a corner piece for a, for, you know, a, a good amount of time. But then again, I didn't think Russ would get traded, and, but here we are. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think DK is the guy to get rid of if they are trying to do a rebuild and they go with Drew Locke for one season, at least. I think maybe Tyler Lockett, Lockett a yep. veteran who's a little older, they could trade away and get some pieces, younger pieces for him. Um, and then they can start their rebuild with their, the draft picks that they have, build, like uh, Ty said, maybe an offensive tackle um, or get that cornerback that they're listed at maybe getting. So I think they keep DK for now, go with Drew Locke, and then maybe trade players like D- uh, Tyler Lockett. Personally, for me, um, I'm a big fan of anybody's available at the right price. So it kind of depends what you're going to get for DK. If you're going to get two first-rounders, I'd send them away. If it's going to be like a one first and like a third or something, I'd probably hold on to them. But if you can get two first-rounders for a receiver that in the next year you're going to have to pay $25 million a year as you're trying to go through a rebuild, I don't know if that's the best move because obviously when you're going through a rebuild, you want that cap space. And maybe locking up a receiver that takes up an eighth of the cap space isn't the right move. Absolutely, those first round picks you can use to build around them. And as I don't think the Seahawks team is going to be competing within the next two to three years, I think they have a little, a couple of years of rebuilding ahead of them already. That's why they traded Russell away because they're not yeah. really in a win now, um, mode, like kind of team wise. Yeah, absolutely. Like that may be a little bit of the uh, the fantasy football person in me that kind of wants to see DK go somewhere else to raise his fantasy value, but. Uh, it completely see, makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk, you know, a little about fantasy value here. One guy I want to talk about right away here is Rashad Penny. I mean, we saw him come out of, you know, he he showed some promise in the past, but we kind of just saw him like break out in those last few games because it's always been a mess, you know, with Carson because he was hurt, right? So, I mean, what do we see for Rashad Penny's outlook for next season? Ty, I'll start with you. What do you think? So, as a big fan of fantasy football, and I, I do a lot of stuff fantasy football, but I want to preface this by saying, overall, when healthy, I do think that Chris Carson is a more complete and better all-around running back than Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny was outplayed by him in 2017 when he was drafted in the first round by a seventh-round pick, Chris Carson. And he's been outplayed the last three years, but until or the last four years, but and. In 2021, the last five games of the season, he Rashad Penny had historic numbers 
sharing the backfield with guys such as Alice Collins, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas. So not a lot of competition there, but he certainly did make the most of his opportunity there. But even when he did have opportunities back in 2019 and 2020, he only had like one or two good games of the season. I mean, he he never looked explosive and he never looked super fast. He was always a patient runner. He was really shifty, but always staying in the backfield too much, trying to decide where his lane was. But this year, he really put the pedal to the metal and really committed the holes, and he really, really made the most of it. But Rashad Penny's fantasy value, I'm looking for him to be probably, fantasy terms, a low-end running back, or maybe like a mid-tier running back too, because I don't think he's going to be in your Aaron Jones and your Josh Jacobs, kind of that low-end running back one tier. But if he can be in the tier with guys like David Montgomery and um, and guys like James Robinson or even like Cordell Patterson, like those kind of fantasy values. Because Penny even uh, – I think a good thing about Penny's fantasy value is that he does add a receiving unit to it. And he like he's not a bad like that's not what he's known for, but he's not a bad pass catcher. So overall, I'm probably drafting him. If you're in like a twelve man league, I'm not drafting him until like the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, it's gotta be, you know, with, with Carson, that brings the question, right? Sharing carries is always something to look at. I always like to look at what the Browns do, right? With with Chubb and Hunt, especially if they're both healthy, right? That's always a concern, you know, especially if you're a fantasy owner. But uh, then I, I guess like guys like DK and Tyler Lockett, we just kind of sit and wait to see what happens with them. I think that's kind of the situation right now. But like, but a guy like Noah Fant, I think that's someone who I have a question about. Like, just what what do we think we're going to see out of him, Zach? You know, what what do you think? Uh, well, they did pick up his fifth year option, so that was some news that came out not that long ago. But I think. Obviously, they had Gerald Everett last year. wasn't great tight end. was valuable. could stream him a couple weeks. I think Noah Fan has a little bit more upside than Everett had and might be um, kind of like the low-end tight end one that may be starting on a week- weekly basis if you don't invest a lot into that position. But I don't think he's going to be a top five tight end or anything like that. Yeah, and he has that connection with Drew Locke, obviously. So, I mean, there's going to be some chemistry there. So maybe his fantasy value is a little higher than most people would see it. But like you said, I wouldn't see it uh, top five or anywhere near there, really. Yeah, a solid tight end, right? And that's, I mean, there you go. That's why his fifth-year option was picked up already here. So, uh, you know, with that, you guys want to talk about next season here and do our little prediction game? Go for it. Let's let's do it. So, Ty, this is the rule. Uh, I'm going to read the 17 opponents on the schedule for the Seattle Seahawks, and you are going to tell me the first record that comes to your mind after I read their 17 opponents. Are you ready? Yes, sir. And we'll let you know how you did next in the offseason next year. So right. with that here, let's read the 17 opponents for the Seahawks in the 2022 to 2023 season. Here we go. At Arizona at Kansas City, at Los Angeles to play the Chargers, at Los Angeles to play the Rams, at New Orleans, at San Francisco, at Tampa Bay, hosting Arizona, hosting the Rams, hosting the 49ers, hosting the Falcons, hosting the Panthers, hosting the Broncos, 
hosting the Raiders, going to Detroit, hosting the Jets, and then hosting the Giants. What do you think, Ty? Initial reactions. I'd say six and eleven is a pretty generous record. Six and eleven, six and twelve. Six, six and, and eleven. You got it. You got it. Jared? I was gonna go seven and ten, but now you got me second guessing myself. I might maybe the Jets take one from I'll stick to seven and ten, but I don't know. I'd say they have the same record as last year. Wow. Yeah, you guys wow. are pretty generous. Yeah. Um well, what was their record last year? Like seven and ten. And like no, seven it was 10. seven ten. Oh wow. I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go four and thirteen. <laughs> wow. All right. I think it's a tough year for them. Um with that here, I, I you know I'm I was thinking let's all go different. I'm gonna go five and twelve. I, I was I knew I was gonna do better than Zach based on his reaction. And I'll say five and twelve is the record I'll go with here. And before we wrap this up here, Ty, you gotta hear what Zach Roush predicted the New York Jets were gonna finish in the twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three season. Are you ready to hear this? I'm I'm ready. He said the Jets are going nine and eight next year, over five hundred. Well, I don't see him being a serious playoff contender just because of how stacked the AFC is. But the Jets have definitely added some key pieces. They did lose. That's what I'm saying. Nine and eight good, though? In a tough AFC, I don't know. No. But they did did add guys like, oh, God, off the top of my head. They did lose a lot of people to that. Man, that's so hard. Yeah, no, that's what makes this fun. Here, I'll read you one more record that was fun. Jared said the Colts are going 13 and 4 next year. My Colts, of course. I agree with that. Let's go. Like, oh, we got someone. What? <laughs> no way. Not a chance. I'll tell you exactly why the Colts will go 13 and 4, right? So they have Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's not a top 10, maybe not even top 15 quarterback anymore, but he's a guy that can man the ship. And while Carson Wentz wasn't bad, despite popular belief. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan just has that veteran experience, you know. They have a very good running game. The last time Matt Ryan had a, a, an elite running game was back in 2015 when Devontae had a breakout year where they went to the Super Bowl. And, well, we know what happened there. But they have a good running game. They have a decent receiving core. I mean, a lot of them can't stay healthy, like guys like Zach Pascal, But – they have Michael Pittman, I mean, who's pretty good, and then they have Michael Pittman. Wait, I just said it. they have Michael Pittman. Yeah, and a pretty that's good. That's pretty much all I got. They got like Michael Pittman. That's well, it. Well, no, they got Zach Pascal coming back from injury. Obviously. Zach Pascal at any other team is like a wide receiver four. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna wrap up the Colts Par- talk Paris here. Campbell, Paris on Campbell. journey to He's a million. Like a wide receiver four as well. Uh, yeah, so looking, you know, social media, of course, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew is the Instagram at JD Sports Pod, the Twitter, Jordan Drew, the sports crew on Facebook and YouTube. And then, like I said, Seahawks underscore analysis is his Instagram. So, Ty, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. We'll make sure to have you back next year as well. Of course, talking more Seahawks with us here on the sports crew on the Journey to Million here. So, yeah, with that, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Jordan Drew, the sports crew, the journey to a million, the perfect podcast for you.